We are so blessed to be together this morning to honor the God of heaven, to remember his son. Tomorrow is uh, a day that our nation has set aside as what is called Memorial Day. And uh, this is, however, this day is the Memorial Day of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ every first day of the week. And we're privileged to be together to remember him today. Thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us, we're very glad that you can be among us to honor Jesus and worship him and our Father in heaven in this way. As I said, tomorrow is the day our nation has set aside to remember those of our military who've fallen defending our country. One of the things that you might see tomorrow if you go to a ceremony or maybe watch a little bit of TV about Memorial Day, you might see a very somber celebration at a military cemetery and a bugler playing taps. I want to tell you a little bit about taps. It's really this unforgettable tune played often at a military funeral. It's simple, it's beautiful, it's somber. The origin of taps goes back to the Civil War. In 1862, General Daniel Butterfield and his brigade were camped at Harrison's Landing in Virginia following the Seven Days Battle near Richmond. And during this time period, the uh, encampment of the Union and the Confederate were pretty close to one another. It was customary for lights out to be signaled by the bugler bugler, uh, in the evening and then followed by uh, a tap on the drum. It was really something, however, that didn't encourage anybody to go to sleep. It sounded like it was waking people up. (laughs) So General Butterfield didn't really like that very much and he composed this piece that we now call Taps in order to sort of have a soothing melody (laughs) to help his troops go to sleep. During that same time period, just a couple of months later, one of uh, his soldiers, a corporal, was killed in battle, died of his wounds, and the captain uh, wanted to have the 21-gun salute you know, and the full military funeral and everything, but uh, it was thought better of because, you know, firing a bunch of rifles when you've got the Confederate camp just over this way, they might think it's the start of something and it might not be the best thing to do. So instead of having the, the big salute of guns, they played taps at the funeral of that corporal. And that's how it came to be that it is often played at military funerals. In fact, the Confederate Army adopted it very quickly as well. If you can think about that tune in your mind, and I'm sure most all of us have heard it many times, it just brings a lot of emotion to you. It calls you to remember the life of one who's gone and what they sacrificed and the good of that person. It's a part of, as I mentioned, Memorial Day. And it comes to mind when you think about Memorial Day. But for us, maybe that's not what we're thinking about for tomorrow. Maybe we're thinking about the beginning of a summer vacation, or a backyard barbecue, or a family get-together, or getting the day off from work, and all of those things go along with it as well, and that's all fine and good. 
And those are all blessings from God. But for many, it's also a day of solemn remembrance. This day that started near the end of the Civil War being celebrated first as Decoration Day for a long time where the graves of soldiers were decorated and then pretty much a lot of folks' graves were decorated on this day. Then after World War II, it became more known as Memorial Day and eventually became a national holiday as it is today in in the 1960s. I think it's very appropriate, don't you, that, that Christians are willing to participate in honoring the soldiers that have been fallen. I think it's part of what Paul's teaching in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 when he writes, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. That's right in the context of Paul teaching us about submitting to government authorities who bear the sword for our protection. Right in that context, we're told to give honor to whom honor. People are forgetful. We forget things that have been done for us, don't we? We forget good people who've helped us in our lives, either personally or in a broad way. So reminders are good. And Memorial Day is a national reminder of something that is to be honored according to the Word of God. God, of course, has set up many memorials in Scripture. uh, Things that are reminders of things that we're supposed to remember. Two of the most well-known of those would be, first of all, the rainbow that we see in the clouds after a rain. This is set up by God in Genesis chapter 9 after the flood. Genesis 9 and verse 11, God tells Noah, I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. That's the promise of Genesis 9 and verse 11. A little later in that context, God says in Genesis 9 and verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember, to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. The rainbow is not really just our memorial, it is God's memorial. He looks on it to remember a promise that He made to all living things, He says. And so when we look at it, we remember that promise as well. And and a Christian especially can scarcely look at the rainbow without being reminded of the greatness of God and this wonderful promise that He has made. And then the Lord's Supper that we partook of just a few moments ago, to remember the greatest thing that God has ever done for us. The love that God showed to us. And our very hope of salvation. What Jesus did for us on the cross. It was the night before Christ was crucified. And Jesus met with His disciples in an upper room to eat the Passover, which itself was a memorial. You remember of something that had happened 1,400 years before. 1,400 years before, Jesus and His disciples were eating that meal to remember those events when God freed His people from Egyptian bondage by ten amazing plagues, the last of which was the death of the firstborn of all who are in Egypt, except for His children 
who are protected by the blood of a lamb. So it is today, we are protected by the blood of a lamb. And how fitting it was for our memorial to be instituted during that memorial of the Passover. In Matthew chapter 26, that part of what Richard pointed us to this morning in his very good talk before the Lord's Supper. As they were eating in Matthew 26, 26, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Luke's account of this in Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. Do this in remembrance of Me. Do this in remembrance of Me. So it's set up to be a memorial and we partake of it in remembrance. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 23, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians about this memorial, he says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night on which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He he, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. In remembrance, in remembrance, do this. And then Paul goes on to say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He come. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We did that this morning. And as was mentioned, hopefully in a way that was worthy. Not that we are worthy. We are not. We're not worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Not worthy of what He did on the cross. What a great song, the old rugged cross, Andy led for us this morning to think about that wonderful thing that Jesus did. When it comes to our worthiness, we're all in the same boat. Because we're all in the same body. We are part of the blood-washed throng. So unworthy that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Earlier, the Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break Is it not a communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread, one body. We're in this together, and this is the body of Christ. And when we remember Him, His blood, and His body, we do it on a level playing field. All of us blessed by grace to be able to remember what Jesus did for us. These are two great memorials God has established in Scripture. Uh, Most of us realize these are two of actually very many memorials that God has established in Scripture. And if we started to look at all of the memorials that you read about from Genesis to Revelation, time would fail us if we did a series that went every Sunday to the rest of the year (laughs) to study all of those thoroughly. 
But God wants us to remember. He's done things to help us remember what's important. We have much to remember. Micah's prayer of thanksgiving this morning took us through a lot of things to be thankful for. It was such a beautiful prayer. And yet, just touch the hem of the garment, right? So much to be thankful for. How can we count our many blessings? How can we remember all that needs to be remembered? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I want to remind us this morning in the next few minutes just of a few more things that are worth remembering. It's worth remembering how God has helped us in times past. The Psalms, which are, after all, mainly songs of and poetry. The song remembers when. There used to be an old country song with that title. The song remembers when. You ever hear that? You ever, you ever hear a song maybe playing on the radio and it brings to mind maybe the first time you heard that song? Or as we said already this morning, you hear taps being played and it brings something to mind. Songs are great reminders. They evoke emotion and thinking in us and take us back oftentimes to a certain place. Psalm 77 and verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. The psalmist there is talking about when he's going through difficult times and he's down in the dumps and he's facing struggles and, and, and there's, there's things that he's dealing with but he can remember a time when he was awake at night singing praises. And that was a good time. And it blesses him even still just to remember the song in the night. In Psalm 92 and verse 1, this is a song for the Sabbath day according to uh, the introduction to it. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to Your name, O Most High, to declare Your loving kindness in the morning and Your faithfulness every night. How good it is to remember how good God is to us and has been to us in times past, even all of the times past leading up to this very moment. Let's remember how God has helped us, how He's blessed us, how He's enabled us. It all goes and redounds to the glory of God. It's good to remember what you were when you were better than you are now. I've, I've done something this last year. Uh, my wife will tell you that pride is a sin and I'm not very proud of this. So uh, I've done something this past year. I, I, I don't think I'm going to keep doing it, but I might. Somebody asked me uh, how I'm doing and I've started saying never better. But then I never have been very good. <laughs> so uh, I guess I shouldn't say that. Never better. But there were times when I've been better. Times when I've been better blessed. Better physically, certainly. Just almost any time before now, I've been better physically. But there have been times when I've been better spiritually. How about you? You know, God wants you to remember those times. He does. 
in the book of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation 2 and verse 4, and He says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. You need to remember where you were before you drifted. Where you were before you got lackadaisical. Where you were when you made that commitment. When you made that commitment to do more for the Lord. To get your Bible lesson every week. (laughs) To pray more. You need to remember where you were when you were first baptized into Christ and the zeal that you had coming up out of the waters of baptism. You need to remember that love that you had for, for the Lord and the motivation that it gave you to serve Him. You need to remember what you were before you became what you are now if you have drifted in any way. Jesus tells He tells the Ephesians, remember from where you've fallen and do the first works. Or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And he says something similar to the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. To the angel of the church at Sardis write these things, says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore, remember how you have received and heard and hold fast. Go back to where you started from and remember what you latched on to there and hold on to that, what you received and heard and hold fast to that and repent and change and be what you were once. And Jesus says to them, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and I will not, and you will not know what hour I come upon you. And that leads us maybe to the next thing a little bit. Remember where to turn when you're overwhelmed by sins or difficult situations. All of these three things I think go together in a way. Look at Psalm 38 with me. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 38 a moment. We looked at this Psalm not too long ago in a lesson, but such a valuable uh, encouragement to us as we go through hard times, as we deal with uh, the problems of sin in our lives. Psalm 38 and verse 1, which is a psalm of David, the introductory, introductory comments say. By the way, uh, these little words of introduction to the psalms, most people would probably say those aren't inspired. They were added at some point. I don't know if they were or not. I know that. They're in every ancient manuscript that we have. So I'm just kind of going on the assumption that they're inspired or we wouldn't have them. Uh, Whether or not that's the case, they seem to be highly accurate. And so this psalm says, a psalm of David to bring to remembrance. Notice that, to bring to remembrance. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath nor chasten me in your displeasure. Well, why would the Lord have to do that? Because David's overcome with sin. And in verse 4, he says, My iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. He's overwhelmed with his sin. Verse 17. 
I'm ready to fall. My sorrow is continually before me. What's he going to do? Here's the solution. I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. And then in verse 21, Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. What do we learn from this? What are we, what are we called to remember? Why do we need this psalm in the Bible? It calls us to remember that when sin has overwhelmed us, there's a God to turn to. Yes, yes, we should experience deep godly sorrow because of our sin. It should bother us. But there is a God to turn to if we'll but confess that sin and ask Him to help us, beg Him to help us. And that's what David has done in this psalm of remembrance. Likewise, we could go to Psalm 70 in verse 1, which is also a psalm of David to bring to remembrance. Where David says, Make haste, O my God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. What do we do when we get into trouble? Not just spiritual trouble, but any kind of trouble. Where do we turn? We have, we have issues at work. We have issues at school. We have family problems. We have fa- problems in our nation. Where do we turn? Where do we go? I want you to remember to turn to God. Often, our last resort should be our first. Our first resort should be God. Take it to Him in prayer. Announce your problem to Him. Cast all your care upon Him. Because He cares for you. Peter will write. We need to remember God's Word. Peter writes both of his epistles, he says, to remind folks of stuff that they already knew. He says, you're established in present truth, but I'm writing to remind you. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, both of which to stir up your minds by way of reminder that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy apostles, by the holy prophets rather, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So when I read Peter, when I turn over to 2 Peter and I read Peter, I'm reminded. It is a reminder. It is standing in my Bible as a memorial, if you will, to remind me to remember the words of the prophets and the words of the apostles and not forget them. We've been studying in most all of our classes in Joshua the last uh, couple of lessons. It's an interesting book filled with a lot of details about the invasion and the conquest of Israel, of Canaan, I should say. But I want you to look at a couple of passages. Look at Joshua 8, which we recently studied. Joshua built an altar to the Lord in Joshua 8 and verse 30 on Mount Ebal. These, These twin peaks, Ebal and Gerizim, where Israel gathered multiple times. Uh, during Joshua's life. And here Joshua built an altar to the Lord there, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the children of Israel. And then in verse 32, there in the presence of the children of Israel, 
he wrote on the stones of this altar, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. How come you doing that, Joshua? <laughs> why, 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 why are you doing that? What, what you're writing all the law on some rocks, on some stones of an altar. Why do you think? Later on, as the book of Joshua closes in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 26, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of the Lord, and he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak tree, under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. This was in Shiloh. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you lest you deny your God. Both of these rocks of law, so to speak, were set up as memorials. When you looked at it, you were to remember the law. You were to remember God's Word. The Word was even written on the stones. But the point of it, the point of it, was to let the Word of God be in your heart to remind you to keep the Word of God with you, inside you. Because we forget. This is just a book. It's a book with a lot of pages. A lot of print. There's lots of books in this room. Some of them are like this one. Some of them are Bible. Some of them are song books. There are other books in this room as well. Lesson books and kids' story books and all kinds of things. But this book, besides containing the words of God, reminds me, every time I look at it, of the Word of God. And whether it's written on stones by Joshua, or on a scroll, or on a tablet, When I look at the writings, it reminds me of the words that are supposed to be in my heart. I want to tell you that you will never be able to remember what you have never learned or experienced. To a lot of people, This book is just a book with a cover and pages and print. Because they don't know what's in it. It does not remind them of a thing. To some of us, we don't know as much about what's in it as we ought to. And we can't be reminded of something we never knew. Or something we never experienced. I want to say this just quickly to our young families with children. This will never be a reminder to your child about what God's Word is if they're never exposed to what's inside it. We must teach our children, teach them well, all the words of this book. Or else it's just a book. Let's remember God's Word 
In Jude 17, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus. Remember them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, you must continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Timothy, remember what you've learned. We need to remember to be kind. We need to remember to be hospitable. We need to remember to be generous. We're told this over and over again in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget. Do not forget. That would be to remember, right? Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have entertained angels unwittingly. Remember, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, remember them. Since you yourselves are in the body also. Here, the apostle is telling us, or whoever wrote Hebrews is telling us, these are things that are important to remember. Don't forget to be hospitable. Don't forget the people that are less fortunate. Those that are locked up in prisons, especially for doing the will of God. Those who are mistreated, especially for doing the will of God. And then in Acts 20 and verse 35, here the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian elders, you remember, I've shown you in every way by laboring that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. You remember that? Remember that. What Jesus said. In Galatians 2 and verse 10, when... The apostles and elders in Jerusalem wrote that letter that went out and reminded everybody of the unity that Jews and Gentiles had in Christ. They desired only that we should remember the poor. Just remember. There are lots of things we need to remember. I read a story the other day about a guy named Josh. He was a young executive. Uh, lived in Chicago and uh, making some making some bucks uh, as young people often do they don't always spend their newfound money wisely he made a good bit of money his first year or two of work and he went out and bought a a jaguar not the cat the car 12 cylinder sleek you know it's a beautiful machine and so he's driving it in the Chicago neighborhood, probably going a little bit too fast, but he is looking kind of between the cars that are parked on the side to see if kids are playing or something. And as he's driving along, he sees what he thinks are some children over here, so he slows down as he goes and he comes up to these two cars that are parked on the side. And as he's going by, no kid runs out or anything, but this brick flies out from between the two cars and hits his car right on the side, his brand new Jaguar. He slams on the brakes. He jumps out of the car, runs around. And sure enough, there's this kid standing there and he grabs him and he pushes up against the car. What in the world do you do? You know how much money this is going to cost me? No, it's going to cost you how much? You know, just goes on at him for a couple of minutes. And why did you throw this brick at my car? And the kid says, my brother fell out of his wheelchair. I can't get him back in. Nobody would stop to help. And Josh was crestfallen, of course, and realized all of a sudden that he needed to be a good Samaritan. So he turns into the Good Samaritan and goes on the other side of the car where sure enough, the young boy's brother had fallen out of the wheelchair and puts him back in the wheelchair and, and you know, 
dusts off his scrapes and cuts and asks him where he lives. And so pushes the wheelchair, the several blocks to the kid's house, makes sure they get back home safely. And then walks very slowly back to his injured Jaguar. Josh never had the dent fixed. Because he wanted to be reminded not to go so fast through life that you can't stop and give somebody some help. That's a memorial. I think some of us need some dents. Some things to help us remember what's important. We need some dents. We need to listen to taps. We need to look at the rainbow. We need to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. We need to call upon God for mercy and grace when we need it. We need to look at our Bibles and remember God's Word. And we need to look at one another and the man on the street and the people across the sea and see what we can do to help. Let's be reminded. Our lives are not about us. They're about Him. Let's remember that. This morning, there might be one who's subject to the invitation of Jesus Christ. Maybe because you've forgotten who you are as a Christian. I call upon you, as Jesus did the churches in Ephesus and Sardis, to remember from where you've fallen and repent. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's never named the name of Jesus, but you've been reminded today of what Jesus did for you. He came to this earth and suffered and died for you. And if you'll name His name and turn away from sin and be baptized in water, you can be a child of Him. Please come while we stand and while we sing.